Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk accountant. Hello, Tim. Hey, Dan. <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long time no talk. Long time no talk. Long time no talk. But that's all right. We're uh, here on either end of a computer recording the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love it. I, I especially love the uh, half second delay yeah. between our interactions. It's like you're on, on the moon or something and there's a few seconds between when I speak and then when the signal hits you. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. See, my internet has been pretty strong so far, but it rained a lot last night. And I think mm. some rain, some water has gotten in the mix mm. somewhere. Yeah, those, those uh, signals are, are hitting rain droplets and yeah. uh, hitting some birds on the way through or something. And That's got to be it. Struggling just, to get to no you. There's no other logical. <laughs> how could it be fast yesterday and then slow today? I don't All know. Right? I don't this know. This is not right. Oh, well, well, today we have a really good episode. We're chatting with uh, Kate Thompson, a senior associate at Australian Business Lawyers and Advisors, uh, all about some employment and industrial relations uh, laws and, and things you need to be considering right now uh, with employees and, and all, the, all the COVID stuff. So we get into some great conversations and, and specific topics with her later. But first, Tim... You can't see me, but I'm pointing up for you. Uh, what <laughs> is the dim and is the dim and <laughs> <laughs> So hard to get in sync. I actually waited a second. Um, I started it, heard you start <laughs> it, and then stopped, and then tried to harmonize with you. I think it worked. Uh. I, well, on my end, it didn't, but um, maybe when the recording comes out, it will. So <laughs> We'll uh, see. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, how's your week been? Look, pretty good. I'm, I'm already getting sick of my work from home chair and mm. work from home desk. I'm getting, so, I'm getting uh, sick of my work from home chair. It, it's hurting my bum bum, mm. that's for sure. And uh, right now I'm recording this standing up at my kitchen uh, breakfast bar. Oh, so nice. uh, that's that's an improvement. Yeah, that mm. is. That's good. What, are, what about you, Dan? Yeah, my bum's sore too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more than normal? More than normal. And um, apart from that, things are good though. <laughs> Working from home. I did have internet outage over the weekend. And gee whiz, that was some, uh, that was some anger I felt over the weekend, Tim. Gee whiz, eh? Gee whiz. Gee whiz. I, um, <laughs> long story short, um, we share an NBN box with the, the place next door because we're a split property. And um, we're one of the ports and they're the other ports. And the real estate agent didn't tell the new neighbors about the internet scenario. So when they set up their internet, it was connected to our port and disconnected our internet. Um, but because of COVID, um, no call centers were open and the only way to get support was to submit a ticket, which would take at least two days to get back to me. So I spent the, yeah, I spent the entire weekend with no internet. Um, eventually had a brainwave. You helped with this is I got in touch with, with, uh, (laughs) Leon and it's by and And you know what happened, Tim? (laughs) By the next day, I had the fastest NBN connection possible to my house, ready to go. I wonder if any listeners got in touch with Leon after the episode last week. Well, they actually, should. And did the same thing. They should. Mm. He hooked me up. He was, he was even working a Sunday. Right wow. He's a busy man. He's a busy that's, man. That's good service, though. Yeah. Shout out to Leon, friend of the podcast. Making the podcast possible That's right, right. Now. That's, That's right. almost sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> it's essentially sponsoring the podcast. This podcast would not have happened today <laughs> if, if, if I had stuck with my original provider. 
I love it. Nice mm. one. Um, well, um, business. Yeah, I'm glad that you're keeping positive despite yeah. your lack of internet. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. I had to resort to some. Do you remember? Um, I don't. I don't even know if I'm saying this right. But do you remember DVDs? Just like the <laughs> like the the initials D V and D. They're like they stored movies on them. They're like discs, and and you put it in things, and then a movie plays. Um, but you know what? I was wondering. I was wondering, would mm. would the DVD like Video Easy be an essential service right now? If there was <laughs> yeah. no online streaming. Ten years ago, it would have been surely. <laughs> it, it would have had to have been. It would do, have been so interesting. Do you know the rubbish thing though, Tim? At at the end of a DVD, it doesn't recommend what, what I should watch next. So I don't know what I'm meant to be watching <laughs> after that. <laughs> I finish a movie and I'm just staring at a blank screen. What happens then? Uh the old days of having to change the disc to get to the next set of episodes. Yeah, exactly. Of like three episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. Anyway, um, business update. Let's move on. Uh, the business update this week is that uh, there's been even more announcements of stimulus by various state governments. Um, there's been a $10,000 um, stimulus announced by the New South Wales state government. We're going to get into these in specifics. Um, we're going to probably do a second webinar um, around this new stimulus package, including the wage, wage subsidy and including uh, these various state government announcements as well. So we'll get into that in detail in another webinar, which probably will end up being this week. Do you remember our first podcast when we discussed the first announcement of stimulus? It must have been three and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I do. Yeah. We've come it was so on the far. 12th of March, so it was right after that. Mm. It's crazy. <laughs> because there's a second delay, I, I have to wait an extra long time for you to, to continue on with whatever you're saying. So I wasn't sure if that was going anywhere or if that was just the end of that story. <laughs> I can't speed up my thoughts anymore. All right. I'm sorry. Turns <laughs> out it was just the end of the story. The second delay. <laughs> Uh, it makes me feel really great about everything I say. It just lands on silence. <laughs> it does. On this end, you just you finish the conversation and it's just crickets. It's just it's this, Tim. It's uh, where's my cricket button? So, um, warning before um, <laughs> before our main topic conversation with Kate later in the episode, mm. uh, there is times where Dan talks over me. And my laugh or recognition of whatever Kate's talking about is probably slightly delayed. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not a total spaz. It's yeah. just no, <laughs> a bit it, of internet. It, it's <laughs> it's internet the internet. Love. And we didn't realize that was happening until midway through our, our chat with Kate. So, yeah, it, if you do hear me cut in to Tim, it's, it's not because I was being rude. It's because his would kind of start appearing midway through me speaking. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that, Tim. Oh, that's all right. I knew that's what it was. It's all good. Mm, that's not really what it was. I just think your jokes are <laughs> crap and I wanted to butt in. <laughs> all right. Do you want a um, Tardas tip? Yep. Or? Bring it on. Okay. This week's Tardas tip is share your puzzles. Yeah. No, I take, I take umbrage with this. You do, you do. Now, no, Umbridge, that I, means you don't like it. I, that ta means, I take Umbridge. That means... <laughs> Why would you take Umbridge? <laughs> because I'm the person that you're sharing puzzles with. And sharing involves... <laughs> um, the, the way that you've said it is kind of like a back and forth exchange of puzzles. So we each get to do ones that we've never done before. And all that's happened so far is you turn up on my doorstep... Um, you know, with a thinly veiled uh, excuse of, of giving me some pillows we ordered online, um, just because you want a puzzle. <laughs> I, I've received no puzzles in Look, return. Uh, Not that I want your germs over here first, anyway. First of all, I got to say, we were appropriately distanced. So I slid the box to you. <laughs> yeah, you I believe I. And you slid it back. <laughs> that is true. Now, second of all, um, all right, I'll retitle it then. I'll say, borrow your friend's puzzles. Mm. <laughs> That's the tight ass tip. I'm going to retitle it again. I'm going to retitle it again. Be a scab. <laughs> <laughs> scab puzzles. What? You'd prefer to just have them sitting in the box? Yes. In, in your cupboard instead of 
Oh, right. Okay, uh, that's nice. W- what have you got that I can get from you? This isn't about me just well, being I'll... generous. I'm not, I'm not a charity of puzzles, Tim. You said before I gave you a brilliant idea to speak to Leon. That's true. So, All right, that's worth I one saved, puzzle. I saved your world. That's worth one. The next time you come... The first one was out of the <laughs> kindness of my heart. The second was in exchange for the pillows and the idea for Leon. You've got to come up with a third. Because I know Jade will finish that right, second I'll... puzzle. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say as well, how did you get chocolate dripped on the uh, different pieces of the puzzle like you did last time? There's little food drops. I swear it's chocolate. It's not chocolate. On there. <laughs> Is it blood? Yeah. No, I, I, do, I do the puzzles purely in the bathroom. <laughs> no, it's because it sits... Ran out of toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. No, it's because it sits on the... Uh, coffee table in my lounge room in front of the TV and sometimes I, I yeah. do puzzles in little sections. It might be half hour one night, an hour the next night. Um, so it might sit there for a week and I eat dinner on it. <laughs> There's just an incomplete puzzle on a, on a table with my dinner on it. So funny. Mm. So funny. Alright, well, All let's, right. let's move well, on to our main topic. Let's do it. Alright, so here's our chat with Kate. And we'll see you on the other side. Okay, so we're here with Kate Thompson, who is the Senior Associate at Australian Business Lawyers and Advisors. Thanks for being with us, Kate. Thanks for having me, guys. That's okay. Uh, yeah, we... Yeah, go on, Tim. <laughs> we're, keen to get, we're keen to get you in to have a chat about a lot of the questions that we're getting from our clients and listeners, people in business, um, they're all wondering if they can get away with murder right now and fire, fire anyone they can <laughs> from their team. No, but, uh, no, um, where I guess people aren't sure where they stand right now with their employees and the stand downs and, um, and how they should be navigating the difficult times at the moment. So, um, yeah, I've got a few questions to run past you. No, that sounds good. And I suppose um, what I'll just start off by saying is um, this is such a specific area of the law and it's not really been that tested, which is fortunate for everyone because it's not a set of circumstances we want to find ourselves in. Um, So really I can kind of make some general comments and point people in the right direction, but I would encourage everyone to reach out to their accountants and their lawyers and get some specialised advice because... I don't want to lead people up the garden path if there's a much better solution they could be pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so true. That, that's the general advice for uh, every one of our podcast episodes. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's, <laughs> that's completely fine. Um, but starting with, with something that, that might be easier then, what's, what are the biggest challenges that you see at the moment or what, what, are the most, um, what questions are you seeing the most at the moment being thrown towards you and, and you know, um, your colleagues? I think the first one is probably around stand down and the mm. capacity for businesses to utilise those provisions if they need to. Um, and I suppose those um, considerations fall into two categories. So one being the businesses that have been ordered um, pursuant to the public health orders to close. Mm. So things like restaurants, um, hotels, clubs, um, and those sorts of businesses which physically can't open in their usual form anymore. Mm. Um, And for those sorts of businesses, it's relatively straightforward in terms of the stand down um, of their staff. It will, of course, depend on um, some businesses will have an enterprise agreement, some will be covered by them on the ward, um, and there'll also be some um, specific employment contract provisions which might be operative there. But generally speaking, that's pretty straightforward. If the government tells you you can't open, um, then you should be able to to stand down your employees. And the benefit, of course, of standing down employees rather than terminating employment where businesses can is that they remain on the books um, and they remain part of your Mm. Um, business family, I suppose, <laughs> to put it like that. Um, the second yeah. group is is those businesses who are sig- significantly um, challenged at the moment and perhaps suffering a uh, reduction in workflow, cash flow, capacity to access resources, um, or all of those sort of considerations. But at the moment can still function in some form um, and what those employers can do in terms of stand down. And that's a really, really complex question. Um, so specifically, um, I suppose generally speaking, um, 
the capacity to stand employees down really is quite limited. So it's really limited to those situations where there's been a stoppage of work, which is why we make it, uh, why we categorise those first group of employers as having that capacity to rely on the stand down provisions because there has been that stoppage of work. The consideration yeah. then becomes if you just had a really significant downturn, has there been a stoppage of work? And the answer to that is probably mm. no. Mm. Um, and that's why we need to be really right. cautious in, in advising employers and employees about stand down. Um, and of course, as I said, you know, there might be some award provisions or enterprise agreement or contractual provisions which help you um, in your particular set of circumstances, but it's not as easy as people think it is. Um, there might be some, you know, mm. and, and what we're saying is, you know, people are able to perhaps divide bits of their business up. So it might be possible that one bit of the business is able to stand employees down because they have had a stoppage of work, depending on what it is that they do, whereas another part might not be able to, to access that um, provision at the moment. So that's so a really complex one. Is that like a good example there would be retail businesses at the moment because i know i've noticed a lot of them are shut (laughs) that's right so i mean in some respects um you do wonder they haven't had a stoppage of work in the sense that there's no order to close um in most jurisdictions at Mm. the moment um but there might be such a significant reduction um in passing foot traffic for example if you're in a shopping center that the business is saying well essentially we've had a stoppage of work um, that's not a, a comfortable legal position necessarily. And I'd be um, encouraging people in that situation to be cautious about that. But that's also where I was saying, um, you know, particular businesses might have um, enterprise agreements um, or other contractual provisions they're allowed to rely upon without just going back to what the award says about stand down. So it might depend on um, individual circumstances. Yeah, and I, I can imagine situations sure. where people might have both, say, a physical part of their business and an online part of their business. The you know, obviously, the the physical one might have been forced to close down and therefore potentially able to stand down employees, whereas the online side of the business can just continue as normal and. And so, yeah, I can see that would get quite complicated then trying to figure out which employees fit where and which parts of the business fits into those categories. That's right. And you think about um, a pub that has a bottle shop um, attached to the actual Mm. um, hotel premises. Now, the bottle shop can still operate. um, The pub can't. Um, So the employees who work in the pub side of the business um, have been able to be stood down, whereas the retail um, employees who work in the bottle shop um, may not be able to be stood down. Mm, yeah, so that, that is a much more complicated, yeah, complicated <laughs> scenario. Because you know, you hear the talk going around when this first started, and it was just, oh, let's let's uh, stand down employees for a while, <laughs> which it, it, it just seemed to be the the go to for for a lot of people. Um, obviously, we weren't advising people to do that, but but you did get that feedback that that was the general idea out mm. there that you could just stand people down for for a period, and you know, no harm, no foul. See you guys yeah, in three months. That's right, mm. uh, and I think. What we've seen probably is people backing away from that option more as the government have come out with more and more of their stimulus um, opportunities. Mm. I think people have kind of thought, oh, let's just not be too hasty here and let's see what else we can do. So that's where start people are starting to talk about and explore options like taking annual leave, um, reducing hours, reducing remuneration um, and those sorts of things to keep people in the business if you still can. Um without having to resort to a stand down. Yeah, and that, that well, was something I was going to mention. Sorry, Tim. Um, I was going yeah, to mention that, I yeah. That's where a lot of our questions lie today. And I guess um, just before we, we do get into some of that nitty gritty, do you think after coronavirus, there's going to be some cases going to the courts for this, say with fair work or... I'd um, say so. I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not because I'd hope mm. that people are um, getting advice and, and being sensible about the situation. And I think to some extent these are unprecedented times. Our, um, we don't have the, mm. the case law and the, the assistance we would ordinarily have to embroider the legislation to tell us what we can and can't do. So um, I mm. think there will be some people who unfortunately do fall foul of of the legislation um, and end up doing the wrong thing intentionally or unintentionally. Um, 
but hopefully um, across the board, people will try and do the right thing, which generally speaking in, in employment law is, is what people are trying to do anyway. It's just most yeah. of the time, anyone who's ending up in, in one of those tricky litigation situations has just made a mistake um, or, yeah. or ended up in a situation they didn't intend to find themselves in. Yeah, true. Well, Dan, do you want to fire away and get into some of the questions that we've been seeing from clients and listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, as I said, there's been you know a bunch of clients and people getting in contact with us saying, you know, can we do this and can we do that? Um, so it, I wrote down a few of the most common examples um, of that. The first one that, um, and it kind of relates to what you're saying before, um, as an alternative to standing people down is, um, are you able to just cut the hours of work that say a full-time or part-time employee has um, from what they're normally contracted just because there is less work at the moment due to this COVID-19 stuff? And, and the same thing about remuneration. Can you just reduce what a normal um, salary might be um, just because of this for a short period of time? Um, the short and blunt answer is no. Um, on both counts. And the reason is because um, when you enter into an employment relationship with someone, those two things are, are fundamental parts of the bargain. So how many hours am I going to work and what are you going to pay me to work those hours? Um, mm. So regardless of whether you've got a written employment contract or not, um, usually that's part of the bargain that's struck, um, whether it's verbally or partly written, partly verbally, uh, before someone comes to work for you. And that's the basis upon which you commence and continue in the relationship. So if one party were to try and unilaterally change that, those fundamental terms and conditions, that would be what we call a repudiation of that employment contract, um, which essentially means that you've fundamentally changed the terms and conditions so much that you've brought the contract to an end uh, and the employment relationship mm. has ceased. So what that would, you, you might end up with a breach of contract claim, you might end up with an unfair dismissal or some other kind of fair work claim, depending on the eligibility of the person um, that we're talking about. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to be unilaterally um, yeah. imposing those sorts of changes. Mm. But there are ways and there are things that we can do. Um, and there, this is a developing area that the, the commission and the legislature are trying to help us with as well. So what I'm saying to people is, you know, at this point in time, most employees are pretty receptive and pretty on board with keeping their jobs if they can. Mm. So having a conversation yeah. about agreeing to reduce hours or agreeing to reduce remuneration for a fixed period of time might be all you need to do. Then, of course, if you do get that agreement, write it down, have an acknowledgement from the employee that they have agreed, and then happy days. Yeah, um, right. Oh, good. Small, yeah. small caveat on that, though, um, with um, award-covered employees is we need to be careful we're not actually going below what the award minimum would be for that role. So, for example, if you've got an employee you'd like to keep on as, on a permanent basis, so working 38 hours, um, you still need to ensure that whatever you are paying them, subject to the reduction, is still sufficient and we're not underpaying them. Mm, um, so that's a, yeah. that's a pitfall. Um, as well, we're also seeing um, some initiatives come through and I expect to see some more as well. Um, it, in the first instance, the, the Fair Work Commission um, has varied um, a couple of modern awards to include greater capacity for employers to um, reduce hours without necessarily having to to agree with each and every one of their employees. So the Clark's Award was an example of that that we saw come through last week. So there's mm. the capacity to potentially agree with a group of employees um, to reduce hours, which is you know easier perhaps with a, with a larger group than going to each individual mm. employee and having to have that discussion. But again, it's still about agreement. Um, we are also expecting um, there might be some additional changes coming through in the next coming weeks, either from the Fair Work Commission um, itself, which does have the capacity to vary modern awards, um, or from the legislature, so the parliament. Um, and the reason the parliament is starting to get involved is because, of course, not everyone is covered by modern awards. So the commission can do what they want in terms of um, varying the modern awards subject to their, their powers under the Fair Work Act. But um, for the big group of employees who are either covered by an enterprise agreement or aren't covered by a modern award, um, we need to kind of have some um, options in there as well. So that's the, the kind of stuff that the parliament's mm. thinking about at the moment. 
Yeah, nice. that's that's interesting. That's interesting. It's um, tricky stuff. I mean, are there any awards in particular that come to mind? And this is <laughs> that's quite specific, but that are super tricky or are, are just really dangerous areas. So, like, I don't know, it could be the building industry or hospitality, or um, is there any that shoot to mind that that uh, you'd automatically, yeah, just say A go lot get of advice. Awards have um, very prescriptive provisions around part-time employment. Um, And my Mm. experience is a lot of people are unintentionally non-compliant with those provisions in normal Mm. circumstances. Um, So, for Mm. example, a lot of modern awards say that um, to engage someone as a part-time employee, you need to agree on the number of hours to be worked each week, start and finish times and days of the week. Um, Mm. But... Ordinarily, you know, in a lot of businesses, how they engage their part-time employees is to say, well, we'll give you a minimum number of hours per week. Um, And they don't (laughs) have that level of specificity about the agreement that the award actually requires. So they're almost casuals. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, uh, there are some awards that that do permit um, for that ceiling amount of hours to be the way that part-time employment is, is arranged. But I suppose the difficulty with these sorts of talking about hours of work and, and part-time employment versus full-time employment is there is no um, approach that can be applied across the board. Um, each modern award is different and it might be the case that mm. an employer has two or three modern awards operating in their business depending on the mm. type of work that they do um, that all have very different provisions with respect to hours of work um, and you know, they might be compliant with one award but not with the other um, for a particular group of employees. So it's really important just to check the modern award, what the award actually says, um, mm. but also to keep an eye out at the moment because, like I said, um, we're seeing changes almost daily or proposals to change, um, which might be helpful. Yeah, yeah. cool. So what, um, getting into a little bit more nitty-gritty here, and there's a lot of situations and scenarios popping up like this. Um, what if employees choose not to come to work because of COVID? Or um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with that one. What, what, what happens to employees who just choose not to come? <laughs> <laughs> We've had a number of situations arise, and, and not so much in the last week or two because everyone's kind of on board with what they need to be doing. But initially, certainly, there was a lot of confusion about what type of leave people could be accessing if they needed to self-quarantine, um, what to do if they felt unsafe and those sorts of things. So it really depends on um, the, the basis upon which an employee is actually saying, no, I'm not going to come to work. So if they have, for example, um, a period of time that they're imposed, well, they have imposed quarantine, mm. um, that sort of situation is, is an entirely different kettle of fish to an employee who is just essentially having a bit of a lend of the situation and yeah. trying to run a safety mm-hmm. argument or something like that to say, no, I'm not going to, sh- not going to show up. And most of the time we're, we're encouraging people to be reasonably um, pragmatic about these things. Um, so a period of COVID leave is one of the things um, that we're seeing the, the commission trying to introduce into modern awards. And that would be, Um, likely a a period of um, unpaid leave um, for a 14-day period, so the the quarantine period that we've heard so much about, um, to enable employees to know that they can take that leave if they need to Mm. um, and still maintain continuity of employment and all of those things, but not necessarily receive pay. Um, Because I think that's a common misconception as well is that uh, well, there's two misconceptions about um, COVID leave and, and those sorts of situations. One being that if you're required to quarantine but you're not actually unwell, that you're entitled to take personal carers leave. Um, yeah. That's not that's not the case. Mm. Um, your employer might be nice and allow you to do that, but there is no requirement <laughs> that if you yourself aren't uh, sick or you're not caring for someone who's sick or requires your care for some other reason that you're actually entitled to take that leave. So your employer would be entitled in that situation to tell you to take annual leave or unpaid leave. Um, and the mm. second situation is that, um, you know, there are parameters and there are limitations around periods of unpaid leave. So putting some extra protections in around allowing employees to take unpaid leave and not ending up in a situation where their employer says, well, you're not, you're just not turning up anymore. And therefore I'm going to Mm. decide that you've abandoned your employment um, is one of the things that 
the commission's trying to sort of facilitate. But again, you know, there are a lot of employees who aren't award covered. Um, so sort of circling back to your original question, um, if people aren't turning up, we really need to understand why mm. um, and if there is a legitimate form of leave that they should be accessing. Yeah, I mean, can you force yeah, so the even- yeah, sorry, can, can you enforce the employees to take different types of leave? Um, it, it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's about understanding what the employee needs to take leave for. Mm. Um, so of course, if mm. someone's unwell. Um, or caring for someone that's unwell, that would be personal carer's leave. Um, interestingly, um, the carer's leave, the definition of carer's leave in the Fair Work Act contemplates a situation where you need to provide care or support to a member of your family or household um, because of an unexpected emergency. So it's not just necessarily mm-hmm. someone's sick. Mm. Um, and this is what we were starting to talk about and think about when it looks like um, schools were going to close. So um, mm. people with caring responsibilities for kids were probably going to be able to access carers leave because um, it's likely that would be considered to be an unexpected emergency. Mm. Um, but I think the important thing to remember is all of the, the, the rules still apply. Yeah. Um, I think there's lots of circumstances around leave where employers aren't necessarily clear on um, what notification they can request from employees and what kinds of evidence they can request. All of those those usual rules still apply um, at the moment. We haven't had a situation where, you know, the, the act or the, the usual set of um, circumstances have been suspended. So, um, you know, yeah. if, you're, if you're concerned, you know, ask the questions. Be practical and pragmatic, of course, for these are unprecedented times, but um, it doesn't mean all bets are off. Yeah, so potentially someone, an employee who might be at higher risk who says, I don't want to come to work because I feel worried about getting coronavirus, um, may not be able to get sick leave. That could be a scenario which, yeah, takes a That's right, yeah. And we've had to consider that scenario because obviously there are people who perhaps have um, immune conditions or other health conditions um, that... Mm they might not um, be concerned about anything in particular in the workplace. It might just be that they're unable to work from home um, or there's no other arrangement that can be made to allay their concerns. Um, What I would recommend in that sort of circumstance is someone is the employer doing um, a, a pretty robust risk assessment of the situation and making that the basis for the determination of what they ultimately end up doing. Um, but yeah, mm. self-selecting out of the workplace because of your concerns, while understandable, um, isn't necessarily an automatic trigger for an entitlement to take paid leave. That's it. Makes sense. And uh, you raised another um, really good issue there. Um, further businesses that can continue, and a good example is the the supermarkets. Um, they're doing roaring trade at the moment, selling a lot of toilet paper. <laughs> um, what about taking due diligence to look after their stuff? Is that going to be a rising concern for them? If, if, if their staff are at risk of getting sick, should they be putting things absolutely. in place to protect them? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you can see that happening already. Uh, I went to the supermarket today and um, I had to pack my own groceries. <laughs> I'm not used to doing that at Woolworth. Uh, um, I, I went to yeah. um, to Aldi and and it looks like they're like uh, bank tellers at the moment. They've got these big plastic, um, yep. like it looks like bulletproof glass. That's kind of what it looks like surrounding oh. each of the tellers, and the groceries just kind of go in through a hole and then out a hole. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, my well, Woolworths has done that as well. Yeah. So they have perspex screens up. Mm. Um, they're making you pack your own groceries, oh. and all of those things would be. Um, I would anticipate as a result of the risk assessments that they've done of um, what particular hazards are um, being exposed to their employees and what um, small mechanisms they can put in place to reduce those hazards. Because, of course, you know, in any work health and safety issue or any risk that we're assessing, we usually can't remove the risk. Um, and we certainly can't remove the risk of uh, COVID at the moment, but um, what we need to do is be ensuring so far as is reasonably practicable, um, we're doing what we can. So that would be, you know, 
putting those perspex screens in and, and making you pack your own groceries, <laughs> doing that, you know, wiping down trolleys and all those sorts of things. So yeah, if, if employers do have a customer facing business, I would definitely be encouraging people to be thinking about those considerations and putting what they can in place. And I think most people have already taken those steps, but mm. the other thing I think people perhaps aren't thinking so much about is if, even if they're not customer facing businesses, if you've got a, a decent sized group of people still working in your business, whether it be that a manufacturing facility or a construction site or, or any of those mm. um, businesses which are still ongoing, what are you doing in terms of um, putting measures in place to safeguard your employees in those contexts? And it might be limiting the number of people in vehicles together. It might be um, putting mm. hand washing stations in um, in a more readily accessible manner than you know the usual bathrooms or, or those mm. sorts of things. But if people aren't thinking about those things, I really think they should be because what we don't want to see yeah. um, is people potentially contracting COVID at work, which has a significant economic repercussions as well, but also yeah. you know, from, a, from a work health safety and um, ongoing risk perspective. No one wants to be the, the conduit for an infection that could make someone really sick. Yeah. So if someone did get really sick at work and those that due diligence hadn't been done in say a client facing or a building site type scenario, then the employer could face some sort of problem they could have a problem on their hands is that yeah is theoretically. That the um so mm. any kind of um any any illness or injury that you can um demonstrate you sustain at work obviously there's potentially a workers comp risk there mm. um but there's also yeah. a, a potential for prosecution um by the relevant regulatory mm. authority which which differs from state to state but um, if it was obvious that there was a risk, the employer didn't do anything about it, put those employees in harm's way, um, and then a uh, consequence eventuated out of that. So in this situation, a heap of people ended up with COVID. Um, yeah, there, there would be potentially the prospect of a prosecution mm. uh, on, under the World Health and Safety legislation. The difficulty, I think, with, with COVID um, and generally with with um, diseases of that kind, you can even look at things like asbestosis and um, those sorts of cancers and, and things which take a while to, to develop is is getting that link between mm. the employment and the infection or the disease. Um, so at the moment, of course, unfortunately, whenever we go out, um, we face the risk that we might be exposed. So it would be tricky um, in some respects to actually link it back to an employment or a particular True. employment situation, but not impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, a lot yeah. to consider um, for, for so small much, businesses yeah. out there. I mean, on on the one hand, you're thinking about, well, how can I continue to pay my employees if my business has been affected, and what's the right things there? But also, what's my responsibilities to ensure if they are coming to work, um, I'm not liable for any problems. Um, yeah, it's a lot to go through. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah and, and it's changing every day as well which makes mm. it even more difficult yeah i mean as you said when all yeah, this started the the biggest thing people were talking about was all right, what happens how do i stand down employees but now with the with the wage subsidy it looks like well you don't really need to stand them down you can stop working and continue to pay them at least the minimum 1500 a fortnight and and they're covered um what happens in, in situations, and I suppose that, that would be above the minimum anyway, so that's a pointless question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say, Dan, um, I am glad that we've done our due diligence and made you work from home because you are an at-risk person with your immune system <laughs> being uh, quite weak. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I mean, not uh, yeah. medically diagnosed weak, but just, you know, by anecdotal evidence, quite weak. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm working from home at the moment and everyone in my organisation, unless there's some reason why they can't, is working from home, um, which is compliant with the public health order. Um, and that's another thing people need to be conscious of is those public health orders. And um, as we've seen in New South Wales, the police are not shy about exercising their enforcement powers under those orders. So... Um, needing to mm. keep an eye on that is really important as well to make sure if you're a business um, that's subject to that. And at the moment, every business is in some respect, mm. you're actually compliant. 
Yeah, it was definitely yeah. something that we were we were monitoring as it went. Kind of, you know, first we we stopped client contact, and then we made sure that we weren't meeting in small rooms with internal things. And then it was all right. Well, the advice seems to be saying now, if you can work from home, work from home, and so that's what we did. Um, but it, as you said, it's just following those um, that advice and and making sure you're compliant. Yeah, that's right, and keeping yeah. up to date. So with that in mind, is there some good places that um, people who have businesses should be looking at or reaching out to, to keep in, I guess, keep up to date, keep ahead of the curve with these developing issues? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously they're professional advisors, like their accountants. Um, <laughs> plug for you guys. Hey, that's us. Um, <laughs> or their lawyers, if they already have a law firm that they're using, which I appreciate not everybody does. Um, I'll do a little bit of a plug mm. for my organisation as well. So my law firm is owned by um, what was called the New South Wales Business Chamber is now rebranded as Business Australia, Business New South Wales. Yep. Um, so a lot yep. of your listeners would be members of their local chambers um, or the state chamber as well. Um, we're doing a lot of work on ensuring that members are kept up to date. So not only clients of the law firm, but also members generally. So we're producing cool. some really detailed stuff a lot of law firms and a lot of those kinds of businesses are doing that as well at the moment so there's a lot of information available um the yeah. only caveat i would kind of put on that is make sure you recognize um the source of the information so as long as you recognize yeah. the brand name is somewhere that's pretty reputable it's probably going to be okay um <laughs> the other thing is just to keep an eye on um, on the news, and I know we're all a bit news uh, saturated at the moment, but the state government and the federal government are doing their best to keep us informed. I don't know, I watch Gladys Bridgically at 8 o'clock every morning to see what's going on. Um, it's become, you know, uh, the start to my day I never thought I would have, but, um, and we're all, of course, you know, keeping an eye on Scott Morrison's press conferences too. So I think the temptation is to turn away from some of that stuff because we are getting so mm. saturated and so overwhelmed, but particularly if you're a business person, um, there is some useful stuff in there and, and we're expecting some really useful stuff to come through from the various state governments as well in terms of additional stimulus packages. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. It's a little bit like um, Stockholm Syndrome right now. Um, ScoMo's approval rating is through the roof. So uh, yeah. Yeah, everyone's seeing him every night. <laughs> They're just thinking, this, this just feels right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's interesting how quickly everyone's adjusting to this new form of normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose we don't know when, how long we're going to be um, in this situation for, so we're better off to, to adjust and hopefully we won't be here for as long as we thought we were going to be. Agreed. And Kate, if people want to, I guess, um, get in touch with you and get more support um, through Australian business lawyers, um, what is the best way for them to do that? Is there a website? Is there a package they can go sign up to or just their local um, chamber of commerce? So there's, I think, probably three best options. One would be to check out the New Business Australia website. It's pretty flash. Mm -hmm. um, and you can sign up to be a free member there, which will entitle you to various goodies and various updates at the moment, which is particularly important. Uh, the second is that cool. um, Australian Business Lawyers does have its own website, so you can Google us. Um, so it's Abla, Australian Business Lawyers and Advisors. Um, my contact details, so my email and my phone number are all there as well. Um, or if people would like to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, my last name is Thompson without a P. Yeah, we. It's, it's funny that you mentioned without the without the P because Tim and I were when, when preparing for this um, for this interview, we we wrote had your name on a thing. We're like, oh, there's no P on that, and Tim kept saying Thompson, Thompson, and had to remind himself that it was Thompson, Thompson. The common mistake. It's hard right. to say it without the P. It, it is, it is. Um, and it means that you'll find um, there's actually another lawyer in Newcastle with um, a very similar name to mine. So um, you might find your way to someone else, but that's all right. Um, but yeah, without the P is me. <laughs> that's a, I like that. That rhymes too. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. 
Nice. That's great. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, it was, yeah, I think we've got some really valuable information out of that and I'm sure everybody listening did as well. Um, and yeah, I guess we're just going to keep the updates and we'll keep checking out the updates, uh, keep paying the minimums at least. <laughs> and then uh, other than that, cons- uh, get some advice. That's right. Yeah. I mean, all, all bets aren't off. It might feel like that to some extent, but we just need to be yeah. finding out the info, find out the info first and then do the things rather than the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I've been telling people with the stimulus. And this is a great example here as well. Um, it might seem like such an easy, simple thing to not follow the rules right now. Um, but when the world gets back to normal in a year or two years or whenever that is, uh, you don't want someone coming knocking on your door after um the things that you did <laughs> during coronavirus world yeah so, absolutely yeah that's, that's right yeah. yeah corona crimes cool I've just well thanks come for coming up with that t- <laughs> <Corona crimes>. <laughs> <laughs> nice mm. all right yeah thanks for coming on kate we really appreciate it and uh yeah i guess we'll chat to you again another time no problem thanks so much for having me and we're back. That was a great chat uh, with Kate. She really answered a bunch of questions and I, I particularly liked the advice around, and, and I think this applies, as you said in, in the interview, Tim, um, to anything to do with the stimulus package. It's, it's think through it first mm. and then act. Me too. I agree. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of people out there who's just <laughs> going to be doing things and not really thinking about it just because they're making quick, rash decisions and that's going to end up being worse in the end. Yeah, don't yeah, don't try. I mean, if your business is going well and you can avoid needing the stimulus and laying off staff, then it's a good then thing. That's the obvious decision to make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just keep trading and and keep the ship afloat. That's right. That's right. Uh all right. So, Tim, do you have another thing? I do. I've got a really good one this week. Mm-hmm. So, you know I'm a bit of a Bombers fan. Yep, I do. I uh, am a bit excited because there is a few new podcasts rolling out from the old mm. uh, the hangar, the, as I like to call it. The, the players have got nothing better to do right now, so they're just hopping on some microphones. Yeah, yeah. So they're all Zoom podcasting. Uh, there was one already called Donna, mm-hmm. which is um, a bit of a play on words. And then, uh, so that's the players. There's another one called... <laughs> Uh, Essendon's recruiting manager, his name's Adrian Dodoro. Yeah. So um, they've started a new podcast with him um, telling stories about his last 20 years of recruiting players. It's called Dodcast. <laughs> they really missed an opportunity. They should have called it Opening the Dodoro. Oh, yes. That would have been way better. They missed an oh. opportunity. You should write to them. Uh, you should, you should, uh, I'll, I might tweet them that. Yeah. And then, um, so there's a new one called working through it Mm. and I'm guessing, you know, it's, it's all about everyone's having pretty tough times right now, uh, especially the football world. So it's actually got James Hurd, Joe Watson and the CEO of the Bombers, um, Xavier Campbell. And the reason that's a big deal is because yeah, James Hurd is, um, he's been absent from the Bombers since the old, uh, supplement scandal. Yeah. And, um, and Joe Watson, um, teaming up together. It's the first sort of thing they're doing together, uh, post football. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an awesome, uh, podcast. I can't wait to listen to it. And it goes, it's, it's live on Wednesday afternoons at four o'clock, uh, on the Essendon website. So you can call them up and ask them questions. So I can already tell it's just gonna it's gonna go huge. It's gonna go gangbusters. Yeah, that's so a, that's wait. awesome. That's a really cool idea. Mm. Um, so, uh, mm, nice. Looking forward to that tomorrow. That's a good one. All right. Um, my other thing this week is also podcasts. Um, one that came out during the week. Uh, I don't know if you have listened to the Office rewatch podcast, and I think I've mentioned before Office Ladies, which is um, no. yeah, it's 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 essentially. Uh, two of the actresses from The Office re-watching an episode every week and then talking about the filming process and what it was like being there at the time and that kind of thing. But um, that's been going on for a while, but a new one came out this week um, and it's called Fake Doctors, Real Friends. And if, you, if you're a fan of the TV show Scrubs, uh, it is Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who is uh, JD and Turk, the two main characters. Awesome. Every week, they're going to watch 
an episode of Scrubs in order from start to the end of the series and talk about the behind the scenes of it, filming it, um, different actors and things that were there and, and all their experience during filming each of those episodes. Um, and it was awesome. Oh. It was really good. Loved it. How long, how many episodes? Do they've they done, have? they've done one. It came out last week. Oh, okay. Right. So you mean the episode you've heard is awesome. Yes. And there's going to be a lot then. Yeah. Well, there's you know, there's a over a hundred episodes of the show. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be going each week for a couple of years, I'd say. That's epic. That's something I would really, cause I watched Scrubs ages ago mm. and I would actually like to listen to that and then, and then watch. rewatch the yeah. series. Well, all the episodes are on Stan, so if you have a Stan subscription, um, you can do that. Sneaky little plug there, Dan. Well, Stan should sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone should. Mm. I totally agree. Someone should. Uh, speaking of which, today's episode is sponsored by Cats Accountants. So if you're looking for any <laughs> advice during this time, um, get in touch with us because, yeah, we're, we're doing a lot to try and help people at the moment. We've got a, a business continuity planning group that we're putting together, um, which is just kind of um, simple advice to help you make a plan from from now to the other side of this, cash flows, business cost planning, effective. cost That's effective. It's, it's well. significantly discounted because we know people need help, but they can't exactly afford it right now. So get in touch with us about that. We've, we're have we offering that that to everybody, clients or not. Um, so yeah, get, get in touch about that. The other thing that we're doing, Tim, that we asked last week um, is we're going to, I think we should definitely do the drinks this week with, yes. with some people. So we're going to put that out. That definitely got some good feedback yeah. on the socials. We, we, yeah. We're going to put that out um, maybe even tomorrow after work. I don't know. This is today's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. I, I can't actually do it on Thursday. But, um, and then oh, really? Friday is a long weekend. So um, we could even mm. do it Friday or Monday or even over the weekend. I don't know. But um, we could. Watch out on our social medias. You will see it randomly pop up and say, hey, at this time, Go to this link. We'll be there. Yep. If two of you show up, it's it's going to be a great time. Yeah, definitely. Hamish might even show up. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) We hope you got a lot out of today's episode. And if you have any questions, get in touch with us, twodrunkpodcast at gmail.com, at twodrunkaccountants on Instagram and Facebook, at twodrunkpodcast on Twitter. And yeah, get in touch with us and we'll... Be back soon with some more content. Calculator. Calculator. <laughs> <laughs>